Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Yellow Brick Therapy Podcast. My name is Jenny Helms, and in today's podcast, we interview Shelly Huffman, who is an intermediate level three practitioner of somatic experiencing. Quite a mouthful. She talks all about what that is and what somatic experiencing is, which has been really awesome because I am still a student of it and learning so much. Um, It's definitely a practice that I hope to incorporate at some point into my own therapy practice. And so she is a wealth of knowledge, just helping us understand exactly what it is, how it works in the therapy room, and why it's so important for us to use methods like somatic experiencing instead of just, um, you know, things like CBT and other cognitive therapies. So if you've ever been curious about why it's important to address the body when it comes to trauma, or about somatic experiencing, or have wondered if there's different modalities to heal trauma, this episode is for you. Now, without further ado, let's get into the show. P.S. I apologize that the audio is not ideal. We did record this over Zoom video, but I tried my best to tweak it and edit it to sound as good and coherent as possible. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Cool. Well, let's go ahead and go into our first four. And... My first question for you is, what did you want to be when you were in grade school and you were thinking about your future career? Um, what was your What were your dreams when you were a kiddo about what you would be? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, I took that question literally. And um, I think the way I thought about it is, as a first grader, I just wanted to be Princess Leia. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, it was or Wonder Woman. I, I went through a Wonder Woman phase as well. And, and I think I didn't think much about what I wanted to be when I grew up. Um, I don't I don't know that that was emphasized even by the adults in my life. And I was a pretty here and now kid. So yeah. it was more like, I want to be Princess Leia right now. Right now. <laughs> yeah, right now, today. That's awesome, though. Yeah. In and of itself. That's great. Yeah. 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 And tell me more about one of your learning moments in therapy or a time, you know, where at the moment it may have been like a really not so great moment for you, but it taught you something about your work. Yeah. 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 You know, I think every time that I encounter otherness or great difference between me and a client, um, I think... Uh, I'm, I'm at risk for saying really unhelpful things. Yeah. (laughs) Um, just because I don't, I don't know them and I don't understand. And maybe I haven't done enough research on the difference that I see, like transgendered folks. That's, that's something I'm learning a lot about right now. Um, those issues. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I'll be clumsy with my questions and I can offend. I know that. And Mm -hmm. I think, it's absolutely though the the place where I learn the most. Yeah. And, and I just always only hope that the client will be will have some tolerance for me in that as well and and that we can be in the mystery uh, together and and that my otherness won't scare them away. Yeah. So, yeah. Mhm. No, I think that's such an important thing to remember um because not every therapist or even grad school emphasizes being able to work with diversity as much. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though you could learn about it in school, it's not the same when you're kind of in the room with it yes. <laughs> and having to face, yeah, having to face somebody who, whether it's an otherness of, you know, being a very different type of person or even, um, I remember having a conversation myself uh, with a person who didn't believe in um, couples that weren't the same race uh, getting married. And at the time I was dating somebody who was of a different race. (laughs) And it was just like, it's interesting how, you know, that will kind of come into your life sometimes. And it's like, how do I hold space to be with this person? Yes. Yes. In their differences. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to be willing to be a beginner and a learner. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that, I think that's like true for throughout the process of therapy. Cause what I've heard, I mean, I, you know, I'm not like decades into this by any means, but what I've heard is sometimes the decades into this therapist can lose that 
side of having a beginner's mind. Yeah. Yeah. That's no fun. No, (laughs) no fun at that moment to me. Yeah. No. And it's, yeah. I mean, it's, I can, I can understand why that would happen, but at the same time, yeah, you lose that gift and that ability to be with the person and learn from them. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, well, that's, that's really great. And now I want you to brag, well, maybe not brag on yourself, but just speak of a moment where you felt like, man, this is why I do what I do. And you felt really good about the work that you were doing um, as a therapist. Yeah. Yeah. So what comes to mind is anytime I see great relief in the session, Mm. visible, audible relief, shoulders dropping, big, deep breaths, tears, Mm -hmm. gratitude. And I think, wow, I felt that shift just now with you. Yeah. the new insight or letting go of that old idea that doesn't serve anymore. And I think in particular of of one woman who recently uh, emailed me to tell me what I meant to her and what the work had meant to her. And she's a 47 year old woman who found the courage to leave her abusive husband. Mm. And she had never worked outside of home and never really fully come into herself because of a myriad of oppressions in her life. And she let me know two years into therapy that she feels reborn. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And she has a full-time job she loves now and she has her own apartment and she's thriving most, most days. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. That's, I mean, I love, I love hearing those stories and because it sounds like it wasn't just like, Hey, let me fix this behavior or stop feeling this way. That was a transformation of a human. That's right. Yeah. And their way of being. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. And that's, I mean, I'm, I'm so about that work, even though I know a lot of people, well, I shouldn't say a lot, but there's definitely a group of people that go into therapy and they're like, just fix this thing. Like, I don't want to go deep. I don't want to actually, you know, dig at the roots. And I'm always just like, maybe I'm not your therapist then. Cause I will, <laughs> I will constantly be overriding your goal. Yeah. Dig deeper. Uh, right. And I'm glad you tell them that up front. That's only fair. <laughs> I do. I do. Yeah. because I, I know myself at this point and, um, and it's something I didn't know originally until I was kind of noticing that pattern as a therapist for myself. Like I was like, I, don't like to keep it very surface with people, yeah. even when they want that. And uh-huh. so I noticed that about myself and I was like, all right, I've got to honor that and move forward with the fact that that's kind of my style. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's plenty of other people that will honor people just wanting to work on, you know, the goals and the surface level and the behavioral part of it, if they're not willing or ready to do deeper work. Yeah, right? that's right. Yeah. And sometimes that's the first work that needs to be done and they'll yeah. do it with, with skill, right? Right. The pre-work. <laughs> yeah. Then they can come see us later. Yes. When they're ready. I would agree. Well, yeah. And, such, and the importance of that, like I don't downplay that as not an important role. I think people, we need our, our bridge builders mm-hmm. to get people that's to right. the space where they're ready to even go deep. That's right. Mm-hmm. First yeah. things first. Yeah. Well, my last question of the first four is kind of a fun one. I like asking people because I get all sorts of responses and even people just like, I don't know. But the what is your spirit animal? (laughs) I love that question. Um, So my dogs might go crazy here in a minute because I see the postman. Oh, boy. (laughs) He's learned to be really quiet lately because I think he's pretty sick of getting barked at. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. I think it's going to work out. <laughs> okay. My spirit animal, it, it is, this is going to sound so weird. And when I, when I tell this to people, they kind of just go, oh, okay. Um, it's any, any soaring bird that's going over my head. So like mm-hmm. if I see a, a bird, like a, with a big wingspan flying over me, kind of that slow wingspan, wings flapping, I have to stop everything and stare at it until it goes out of sight. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And I've done this ever since I was about, I would say four years old. I used to spend a lot of time out in the pasture by myself playing. And if I saw a bird flying over, I would just stand there in the middle of the pasture or lie down and just watch it. And I would get this like strange elation that would just course through my body 
and I would get nostalgia and I would get a sense of like the future, like where am I going to go and what am I going to do and where's that bird been and what did Mm -hmm. that bird do and where did he come from? And it's just like this amazing feeling. And and I think maybe that's kind of like faith for me, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. So that's so that's, cool. That's such yeah. a unique answer because it sounds like you've had like a like a, a literal spiritual connection yeah, for, sure. for such a long time. And that's that's so I mean, I don't know, that's really interesting because that's definitely not a response I've gotten yet. And I think that's a beautiful yeah. like relationship to have to an animal and, and yeah. actually put you in that space spiritually like when you're in it like that's that's really cool I, I like yeah. and it can even be a buzzard I mean a buzzard has a beautiful <laughs> wingspan and flight and it cracks me up because I'm like okay that that's a buzzard <laughs> that is a buzzard over there yeah yeah that's awesome and, kill. <laughs> yeah usually yeah. And I'm also thinking one of my, my dear friends, uh, she hates pigeons. <laughs> so <laughs> like, it's, it's, yeah, it's kind of silly, but yeah, she's, she's not a pigeon person. So <laughs> that would not be her spirit animal. That wouldn't work. No, <laughs> but that's great. I love that question, Jenny. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I just, I wanted to mix it up with something a little bit more. I don't know, I guess, mm, what am I trying to look for? metaphorical in a way that would just kind of bring people into a different space. I think sometimes with podcasts, we can get so caught up in asking them like logistical questions that mm-hmm. I like to be able to give people a chance to be more creative and think um, in a visual way, because I'm also kind of a, I'm a visual thinker in certain ways. Yeah. And I like metaphor. I like mm-hmm. being able to see things in my brain. And so, yeah, I don't know. So I was probably biased to that question mm-hmm. from that perspective as well. So well, it made it a lot more fun. Yeah. Well, thank it's you. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Well, let's go ahead and get into the meat of it because you, you're now an intermediate level three somatic experiencing practitioner, right? Is that the way you would say it or do you say it differently? Yeah. Almost, almost. Um, I, I have completed advanced one. There are two levels of advanced. So I completed advanced one a month ago, and then I'll be doing advanced two in October. And then I'll, I'll have my SCP d- designation certification. Yeah. Okay. So there's two levels of it. Am I getting that correctly? Okay. Yeah. And two I levels of, of advanced. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. yeah, and I might budge that up a little bit just because I'm I'm still learning and um well, me too. Yeah. I yeah, and that's you, Yeah, so like just to start in the meat of things and and the mm-hmm. wisdom you have around that, what drew you into even learning about somatic experiencing? Yeah. You know, I was afraid to work with trauma and in myself as well as my clients. Mm-hmm. And I would often refer out, you know, if a case just felt like too much. And then I had discovered a community of healers on Bainbridge Island where I lived for five years who were practicing processing trauma through the body. Mm -hmm. And I went to several events there and had some really life transforming experiences of healing. And so I began to seek out colleagues in my field who would understand this. And I met two women on the island who were practicing something called somatic transformation, which is a closely related modality to somatic experiencing. And the work they were doing with their clients was just profound. It was, it involved the body, it involved the nervous system, um, Mm -hmm. elements of nature, family lineage and spirituality. Um, There was such a wholeness to it that Mm -hmm. I just, I mean, the results were undeniable too in their work, what I was hearing from them. Yeah. Wow. So I, began, I began to look into doing the course, the coursework and saving money for it and you know, planning the times to get away to do the trainings. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think people always know how much work, how much financial investment and time investment is put into that. And so, yeah, I'm just like hearing you kind of tell that story. I'm like, that's, that's kind of, I'm in that journey, even in my own practice where I want to delve deeper and learn more about those, you know, modalities, but I've decided it won't be this year, but it will be next year. And I want to give you credit for all of that, like the pre-planning period too. Like you didn't just go into this, go do a weekend thing, you know, and have the certification. You you dedicated a lot of time and forethought and financial investment. And so 
yeah, I just want to give you credit for that. Thank you, Jenny. Yeah, yeah it is. It is that, and it it is worth every penny. Yeah, <laughs> because now I find myself. I mean, not not being excited about trauma, obviously, because it's always costly to be in the face of trauma. But but to certainly feel like I have something to offer, and and that um, when somebody calls me about trauma, then I've got a survivor on the line, you know, and that's that is exciting. So that is. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and knowing that like you can heal that you you can now do that work and heal. Right. So it's probably exciting to be like, you know, where before you may have been more nervous about it. It sounds like you moved into a space where now you're like, I can help this person. And I know that it's likely tricky for them to find somebody who can help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that I actually would have the skills. Yeah. And not be overwhelmed. Yes. It's, it's tremendous. Yeah. Well, that's mm-hmm. great. <laughs> we need people who are excited about trauma. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> the oddballs. So. Yeah, I know that's great. Yeah. And tell me more about how somatic experiencing, because I know there's a lot of different um, modalities to treat trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell me more about how somatic experiencing conceptualizes or defines trauma. Yeah. It defines it as really anything emotional or physical that happens to us that is too big or too much for the body to contain mm-hmm. in the moment. And so our bodies aren't able to shake it off. We're not able to move on. And so we're instead storing all of that traumatic uh, mobilized energy, the, the, the energy that's been mobilized for fight or flight gets thwarted in some way. Maybe we don't get to flee. Maybe we can't fight because someone's too big or the car crash was too quick. Mm. Um, and so we get all of that mobilized energy stuck in our bodies. So we need someone to work with us to pay attention to the sensations of those energies and help us to process through them and, and dilute them and then process through them. Um, yeah. No, and I, I love that you're, you're giving like a definition of it because I think a lot of people don't always know how to connect what trauma is and like yeah. how that shows up. And the importance of the stuckness it can have within our bodies. Yes. Yeah, because I think a lot of therapists can do really good cognitive prefrontal cortex work Mm -hmm. and then not really know how to heal what's going on within the nervous system and the body for people when it comes to trauma. Yeah, and then and, and I think it's important to also talk about the the habituated patterns too that that shape our personality. So we go out into the Mm -hmm. world believing well, bad things are always going to happen to me. You know, we have this, we're scanning the horizon for the negative all the time because we want to be prepared for that. Yes. And yes. so we end up finding the negative. We end up maybe even creating it some in some cases. Um, yeah. so, so I think it's important to also note that there's a distinction between shock trauma, which would be like a car accident, and then developmental trauma too. And, and SE makes those distinctions so the developmental trauma would be more like, you know, growing up with an alcoholic mother and the way that that shapes the personality of a child and to, to take note of, of those as little traumas that accumulate over time. Mm-hmm. Yes. No, I'm, I'm so glad you're bringing that up because I think a lot of people think, oh, well, that happened in childhood and that mm-hmm. doesn't really impact me now. And then you, we kind of see it as therapists in the ways that they are interacting within their environment and their relationships. Um, you know, sometimes is that, like you said, like that, um, beliefs that the world may be against them or the learned helplessness, mm-hmm. or even like, I see a lot just cause of my clientele base. And I'm sure you see a lot of this too. It's the people pleasers. It's the, mm-hmm. you know, feeling I need to make sure everybody in my environment is okay because there's something inside of me that just drives that, that anxiety and that need to do that. Yes, um, I'm- them. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm a recovering perfectionist and yes. they're over here in the building. <laughs> yeah, let's just high five on that one. I'm right yep. there with you. <laughs> yep. Still working through it. I mean, there is, yeah, it's just funny how like even to this day, I still have realizations where I'm like, that was my people pleasing part coming out, <laughs> you know, that was really from a healthy space. Yeah, yeah. At least you've made friends with it and can see it as, you know, separate from you and something you can dance with a little bit. Yes. And I I was listening to a podcast with, are you familiar with Gabor Mate at all? Have you? Okay. He's 
Okay. If you haven't checked him out, cool. Okay. Okay. Um, and he works a lot with trauma, but he, he calls these parts of us bad friends. Like Mm -hmm. at one point they did something that was helpful for us. And then over time they don't learn or no, it wasn't bad friends. It's dumb friends. That's what he calls dumb friends (laughs) because they never learn. They don't learn that this is no longer helpful or effective. And so they continue to do the thing, but they're trying to be helpful. So that's the friend part of them. Yeah, that's right. So many people make enemies with these parts of themselves. Um, And that was definitely the case for me as well. Mm -hmm. I had a therapist who referred to them as gargoyles. They they protect, they protect the the church. They protect you. Right. Mm -hmm. But you may not need them anymore to do that in the same way. So. You can yes. say thank you so much for protecting me. I've got it. And your here. duty. <laughs> yeah. I don't have to lash out at my spouse anymore. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I love, I mean, again, I think the more we can talk about examples, it's helpful because people think, like, they, I think a lot of people think trauma and they think shock trauma. They don't yeah. think, oh, I yelled at my spouse because there was something, it triggered a developmental trauma issue I haven't That's resolved yet. That's right. That's exactly right. And those, those are everyday occurrences, every moment occurrences for me. <laughs> yeah. And yep. <laughs> High five on that too. <laughs> yeah. I think, and I think it's good for like people to understand, like we're human and we're on this journey. Um, right. We're just, we tend to be maybe a little bit better aware of it sometimes. Some therapists at least <laughs> doesn't mean that we peel all our stuff, but we at least have the awareness to, to work through a lot of it. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's a privilege. Yeah. Yes. It's a, it's a lens of the world that is sometimes both, it's both, um, good. And then there's times I'm like, this is annoying. (laughs) I'd like to just like, you know, not have this lens and not deal with this thing. Uh Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that's just me, but (laughs) it's me too. Yes. Yeah. And so tell me more about the specific ways that somatic experiencing addresses and tries to heal trauma, um, both the shock trauma and the developmental traumas. Okay. So Ethne helps the client learn to notice and to track the sensations of the memories within their body. Mm-hmm. Um, we could also call these symptoms, okay? Uh, for example, a flashback of a traumatic event or the ongoing states of depression and anxiety have all of these bodily sensations or symptoms associated with them. And so like the muscles tighten or the heart rate goes up, et cetera. And so if a, if a compassionate and skilled witness therapist is there with us, as we experience these symptoms, then we can learn to slow that whole process down enough to catch all the nuances and to actually dilute the effects of the trauma and then to process it out of the body, whether that be through tears or, a deep breath, or some people will sweat a little bit more, or um, some people will sh- maybe shake for just a minute. Mm-hmm. And, you, know, you can, as a practitioner, you, you start to learn to notice what we call the discharges of the trauma. When the trauma has left, it, it leaves the body. And, and it's actually a chemical phenomenon. It leaves. I tell people to drink a lot of water after the session when they worked really hard. Like if you've had a massage, go ahead and pee those toxins out. Yeah. To detox. I I literally never even thought about that. That is, that's amazing. I feel like, yeah, I love that you actually said that because I'm like, I've never even thought about thinking of it that way, but it's physically discharging. Like you said, um, that you helped me have an aha moment there. (laughs) Oh, all right. Yeah. Like why wouldn't I have ever thought like maybe a person needs more water or, um, just like a massage because they are processing things yeah. and yeah. their chemical signatures. Oh. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, thank you. <laughs> we're hardwired to feel and we're hardwired to heal. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I mean, I will just say that one of my struggles in my own life is getting enough water. Like that's just something yeah. I don't, for whatever reason, I, I don't, really drink a lot of water throughout my day. And I've, I've had to actively get better about that over time. And especially, um, with like the workouts that I do, it's, it's become more important to me. Um, but I think that's helpful to understand that relationship too, because as practitioners, we're doing a lot of stuff and detoxing ourselves. And, um, 
that's helpful for me to understand for myself and for my clients because I don't think I've ever thought about that. Mm-hmm. And you're sweating a lot of those toxins out too, right? <laughs> no, it's so true. I'm literally after some, of, I've had some uh, really good sessions today, but there was a lot of intensity and there's mm-hmm. a lot of pain in some of the sessions I had today. And um, it's funny because I'll go out and like after the session, I'm like, oh, I feel a lot like, I feel a lot less hot because I'd been sweating because of the energy of it. And it wasn't, yeah, it was just an interesting phenomenon. You're absolutely right. (laughs) That's that's the truth of the body, right? Telling the truth. Yes. Process things out. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Thank you for helping me connect those dots. I've never (laughs) (laughs) And um, I think just from like a logistical perspective, because I know that, you know, when people ask me these questions, typically they're, they're thinking in terms of like, are there any types of trauma or clients or age groups or problems that thematic experiencing is best suited for? Um, And then can you provide some examples of that? Yeah. Great question. You know, um, I would say SE is for everyone. And, um, you know, even for those who are initially having trouble feeling and putting words to their sensations, there's actually a way to grow that skill. And, um, but more particularly, I'd recommend SE for those who feel stuck in any areas of their lives. They've tried and tried, but just can't seem to overcome a certain thing. Um, and also for people who are aware of symptoms and also syndromes they're struggling mm-hmm. with. So patterns of chronic anxiety and depression, intrusive thinking patterns that promote negativity in their mm-hmm. lives, um, nightmares, flashbacks, phobias, chronic pain and illness, and really anywhere where you, you observe a constellation of symptoms that keep you prisoner in your own body or your mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love the way you put that because I think people can relate to that versus saying, Oh, if you struggle with depression or you struggle with this, it's wherever you're stuck. Mm -hmm. Right. And I've even as a clinician working with clients, I mean, there are ways that I deal with trauma and sometimes they're effective and help. Um, but then when it comes to the body parts, um, you know, I haven't had all the training and experience that I would like to get to really fully work within that realm. And I can tell that it's like, there's a disconnect for them somewhere. And it's, you know, often things are showing up in their bodies that, you know, you can't cognitively, you know, logically think away. Right. And they've tried that and it hasn't worked. Um, And so I think that's like failures. Yeah. Yeah. People feel like failures because of that. And yes. oftentimes, oftentimes I will inoculate them from coming to therapy because they'll think, well, what's the point? You know, how could this person make any difference for me? And I, and I don't want to talk about it anymore because there's too much shame around it. I'm done. And mm-hmm. so you get, you get into the body and you've got this whole other massive resource to work with besides your little brain that is yes. so really finite. So you've got the body who's very here and now, and it's giving you all kinds of signals and it really wants to heal. So, so really I'm a detective. I'm sitting in front of my client as a detective and saying, Oh, your face just grimaced there. What just happened? Mm-hmm. And the next, you know, the tears come just because somebody witnessed it because nobody's witnessed that in them before maybe. And they, and they feel seen and they feel heard. And so then, then you get a discharge without even going into the story. And that's the beauty of SC is you don't necessarily have to address the narrative all the time. Yeah. Just press what you just saw happen in the body or what you just felt happen in your body. Mm, I love that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I'm, I'm so excited to at some point learn a lot more and be more well-versed. So again, I'm, I'm grateful to like, to know you and have you as a resource for my clients too, because I'm already thinking of some clients. I'm like, yep. I need that work. Thank you. Thank you. I'm I'm so excited too. I look forward to meeting all these new people and having Mm -hmm. colleagues. Yeah. It's going to be so good for me. Yeah. That's awesome. And all that you bring to this because you're absolutely right. And um, sometimes I'll like do things where I'm very much more body aware of people. I think just in general without like having the full background of understanding SE necessarily, but um I, like, you know, you catch people doing things or you kind of notice what's going on where 
the content isn't matching, you know, their body language and um, how powerful that can be. And then to have people like you to help them with that and work through that. Somebody who's also, I mean, my experience with you has been like so compassionate and shame-free, right? And just, yeah, just like open to people, which I, you know, I know it sounds kind of weird, but I'm like, that is one of the main I feel like important skills for therapists to be healing. Yeah, that's right. So that's trust me though. I understand shame. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But but you're right. It does. It makes me compassionate for other people. And and I think wherever we can, we can be aware of that in ourselves and we create a win-win with our clients. That's where the healing happens. It's true. Yeah. And I've often felt that like, when I'm able to practice that with my client, it's bi-directional where I start to heal that mm-hmm. more in myself. That's right. Oh, that's well put. Yeah. <laughs> <I like> that. <laughs> but it's so true. I'm like, you know, I should pay you from experiencing this moment uh-huh. with you. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So I it's echo that. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and what are, what are some of the common misconceptions about somatic experiencing yeah if you've heard any or if, if there are anything people come into it thinking it is and it's not or you know that yeah sort of thing. I would say that that I've had some people think that it's it's simply a method for relaxation or it's a meditative practice mm-hmm. uh, or for awareness and and it is those things but it's also it's actually a very active process that increases our awareness of our body but then also of our environment. So you've got this, this real increase in awareness of what's happening on the inside and then also learning to fully orient to your environment around you and to attune to others who are relating with you and to start to read cues a lot better and, and thereby causing the nervous system to calm down because you're getting this full body experience of, okay, I know where I am in time and space and I don't see any danger I don't really see anything new. I recognize all this. I'm okay. Then the nervous system calms down. So that's one of the first things I do with people is we do a lot of orienting around the room, getting Mm -hmm. comfortable, and then tracking the sensations. Like if they say, okay, I'm ready. I'm comfortable. How do you know you're comfortable? What what Mm -hmm. is comfortable right now in your body? And they may say, well, I noticed I'm breathing a little deeper now. So then I know because, oh, that's the parasympathetic nervous system response. Now you're breathing deeply. Okay. I trust that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so it is, um, I think it can produce a, a state of alert calm and it can also make you want to take a big nap. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, when we do deep work together and then we come up out of that work, people feel relaxed and they feel really tired. So I'll say, you know, don't, don't really go into the story anymore today or don't, don't do any more sort of the emotional psychological work. Just go have some fun or maybe go work in your yard. That'd be okay. But Mm -hmm. but let let this one go today. Just, just Mm -hmm. relax around this. So it's a good kind of exhaustion. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. When I don't think people realize that when you're working with your nervous system and your body, you're also, I mean, you're working with your body and your brain and that's a lot of work. Yeah. Even though they're calming themselves. Right. So they might be like, Oh, I'm taking it easy. It's like, but that for somebody who doesn't normally have a state of calm is exhausting. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's, that's a really good point. Yeah. And it, and in that regard, it is one level beyond meditation because I think meditation is just that it's relaxing. But, but when you're being activated because you're talking a little bit about what happened to you, a little bit about the trauma, and so there, therefore your nervous system is activating just a little bit, and then you're deactivating, activating again a little bit more, deactivating. You know, you're in a process, and you're going to feel that later on. And so, yeah, and, and I, I also wanted to say about it that it's important to say that the, the process puts the client in the driver's seat, and um, it, it's not that this is a misconception piece I'm wanting to tell you about here, because I think the moment I start to say, well, what do you feel in your body? And they say, well, I can't feel anything in my body. I think people start to feel a little bit out of control and they start worrying that, well, maybe the therapist sees things I can't feel. And so they're in control. 
Mm. But at that point, I would really pause because my whole goal is to empower that client to begin to understand her, his or her own sensations and to be able to track on their own. And so um, although the process is facilitated by the therapist, the goal throughout is to promote, you know, high levels of awareness and readiness in the client to respond to whatever comes to them in their environment. It's really, really causing the client to be a master of their body, like really in command, you know? Mm, Yes. Like empowering them. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I like that a lot. That, and that makes a lot of sense when you're working with trauma, because there is that sense of disempowerment, stuckness, Mm -hmm. lack of control. That's right. Yeah. No. And that, that's powerful in and of itself. And I'm, I'm, going to ask a question because I'm just trying to get my own brain around how to conceptualize it. But I would imagine that somatic experiencing is kind of like an active way of helping people because, okay. (laughs) The funny part is like meditation is so great and mindfulness is so wonderful and it's a helpful skill for people. But my experience is if somebody has been really traumatized or had a chronic state of being due to developmental trauma, It is so hard for them to get there. Like there's like, it's like they don't even know how to get there. So it's great that you're doing all those like practices with them, but it's like, they can't even get there. There's, there's not the skill set or ability within their brain to get there. And so you're asking them to do something almost that is impossible for them at that state. That's right. That's right. And And you can see, you can see the, the movements in people's bodies, you know, a client who sits down with me for the first time, who has agreed to work on trauma and you see the client's feet swinging or you see some kind of repetitive motion. Maybe they're fiddling a lot with the keys or something in their hand, or you can see that the the nervous system energy coursing through them. I would not ask them to meditate because that would be sort of pooling all of that energy. It would be an attempt to try to get that to pool Mm -hmm. and and it really concentrated. Right. Mm-hmm. And so what we want to do is give opportunity to track that sensation. And, and the way SC does that is to slow that down. You know, keep swinging that foot, but slow it down and watch it move and pay attention to how the, the bend in your knee feels when you're swinging your foot. Right. Mm-hmm. So then that, that defensive kind of moving around gets, gets a lot of awareness around it and the body can catch up to it. Right. Mm-hmm. And then start to actually use it as something that's really, truly self-soothing. Yeah. No, that's, yeah. that's really neat to move into it. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. You move into it. Yeah. I like that. I really yeah. like that. And I think, you know, understanding even my own, my own journey of, of healing trauma in my own body, I, because I had a lot of my, my own um, hyper arousal and awareness of things around me, when I first started doing mindfulness or the first training I ever got in it, which was back in like, I think 2013, um, I hated it. I thought it was terrible. Um, just for my own experience of it. And that was because I still had a lot of work to do to heal my own like body trauma that I hadn't delved into yet because I didn't even know that was a thing. I hadn't connected any of those dots. And so, when I first did it, I just, and everybody else in the training was like, oh, it was so great. And I love this. And I felt like I was broken. I was like, something's wrong with us. I even like put my hand up to tell them because she asked us our experience and everybody loved it. And I was like, um, to me, that was very difficult. To, Good for, for you. Me, I had the monkey brain. Yeah. And I was like, and it, it just made me feel more anxiety yes. in that moment versus less. And and I think it's helpful for people to have things like somatic experiencing if they have similar types of experiences, because I think that's why, again, I think my, now that I'm able to get into mindfulness now more into my life, I love it. But <laughs> again, when I first did it, I hated it because I didn't have the skills or capacity or the language within my body to even go there. Yes. So I had to go through different experiences before. I was able to do that. And I that's think traumatic right. experiencing, it sounds like, is one of the ways to do that. Yes, that's right. Yeah, you don't just walk up to somebody who's struggling and say, well, calm down. <laughs> well, just work. focus your mind. And no, it does not work. It, yeah, no, it's put on the resources to do that. Yeah. No, I know. It wasn't, it was funny because I, I helped also, like, at one point with a, 
like an internship where it was like, it was trying to help people with addiction that like do mindfulness. And I think the concept of that is great. But in the back of my head, I was like, I'm guessing that at least 70 to 80% of these people, again, not knowing for sure, but my guess would be is that they were in the same space as me where Mm -hmm. although it's helpful when you're in the space to do it, I don't think they're there. And that's part of why they're in an inpatient hospitalization experience for addiction, right? Um, So yeah. So anyway, um, so I think somatic experiencing and the practices that can help people you know, actively work through that and work with their bodies. Mm-hmm. Not feel like they're, you know, having to go against yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I think that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah, that's really cool. And so now we're going to go into our final four okay. questions. <laughs> and my first, the one and two kind of go together. But um, tell me more about any psychology or somatic experiencing related book. Um, that you would recommend for those in the field or outside of the field? What are some books that have been very meaningful to you? I think for a therapist, I would, I would want to recommend these days, this book called, it didn't start with you. And it's written by Mark Wolin, W O L Y N N. Mm -hmm. And it's about inherited or intergenerational trauma. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and this is something that came into my attention field within the past year, I would say. Um, it and it and it's really it's really under investigated, I think, and, and and overlooked in a lot of ways. And sometimes in in therapy, we come to these moments. My my, my clients and I come to these moments. We're like, ah, you know, there's really there's really no story here that matches what you're experiencing these sensations you're having or these thoughts you're having. And so I think, ah, look in the lineage, mm-hmm. what's in the lineage, um, not only in terms of shock trauma in the lineage, like, like the, the survivors of, of the Holocaust and their descendants, but, but the developmental trauma in the lineage, like thinking I am not worthy. Mm-hmm. Um, I never be happy. Mm-hmm. And, and how that's been proven over and over again, it gets in the DNA. And, yeah. and this, this guy does a great job of describing that. And he also has a, a lot of videos on YouTube and he's very clear and concise, Mark Woolen. And I, I really appreciate him. So, so that would, that would be, actually that would be for a therapist or non-therapist either way. Um, and the, the one I would recommend for just anybody again is Peter Levine's book called Healing Trauma. And so okay. Peter is the, the man who developed somatic experiencing and yeah. help. <laughs> yeah. um, but this book is really a step-by-step guide to healing trauma. And it, it's a, it comes with a CD with some practices that are really simple and helpful. And he also tells his own story of healing from, from a shock trauma. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that a lot. And you get a, get a sense for his, his personal passion around this. Yeah. So healing trauma by Peter Levine. Yes. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I love both of those recommendations and the MFT in me is like, thank you for shouting out to intergenerational trauma because that's uh, what I get yeah. talked about a lot, but um, yeah. I was very lucky enough to be in a program that extra emphasized it. We had a whole course on it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all we talked about was intergenerational. Well, it wasn't just like trauma, but intergenerationality in general and your genogram. And then we had a really good instructor, um, Dr. Aspen, shout out. Um, yeah. okay. <laughs> he helped connect the dots for intergenerational trauma and the passing mm-hmm. down of things. Yeah. And, um, and I've actually, so I've listened to, um, I forgot that his name was Mark Wolin, but I listened to that book on audio tape as oh, yeah. or audio tape. Um, it was like an audible app or something, but I listened yeah, to that book before and, um, okay. it's really good. So yeah, glad you're familiar yeah. with it. We can talk yeah. about it more. Yeah. I'm glad you uh, recommended that. Yeah. Good stuff. And so tell me about um, a favorite quote or words that have resonated for you, whether now or in the past, um, just something that's been meaningful for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm of course in a big transition right now. I'm moving from my home state of Texas to Kansas. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm <laughs> been working with my own somatic experiencing 
therapist and it's a woman Mm -hmm. I see in Austin and she's a wonderful mothering presence in my life and Mm -hmm. a very wise woman. And what she's been saying lately is the process will do you. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So I am, I'm learning to watch how things unfold and how doors will open and doors will close and to come to the closed door and bow to it and go the other way. Yes. And walk, and walk through the doors that are open. <laughs> yes. And selfishly, I'm so glad you're coming to Kansas. Although, <laughs> um, having visited Austin and like really enjoying the culture there. And I know you're not necessarily within Austin, but you know, Texas itself. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a wonderful culture, and mm-hmm. um, I cannot blame you for having a grief and loss experience over oh. that for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. So we're very lucky to have you. Thank you, Jenny. Um, you're welcome. <laughs> I'm excited. And the last question I have for you today is: What is a question or um, something that I didn't ask you or invite you to talk more about that you feel would be important to know about you or somatic experiencing? Yeah. 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 I think it's the, that I wish something I wish people would understand in working with trauma, um, and, and, and really doing my own personal work too. It's extremely satisfying work and it's just chock full of possibility and a chance to discover your own resilience and um, just hopefulness. It, it, it opens life up again. Mm-hmm. And um, I think especially using SE, you know, there's such a careful attention that's paid to when the client is feeling too much of the negative impacts of remembering the trauma. And so the client is invited over and over again to also remember that they survived. They mm-hmm. survived. Mm-hmm. And that they're, they are stronger than anything they've ever been through or else they wouldn't be sitting here in front of me doing the work. Right. So right. They've already, they've already conquered and that. I mean, that's our starting point right there. You're here and I'm so yes. glad you're here. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A hundred times. Yes. <laughs> yes. And it takes tremendous courage to make the choice to do this work. And I would say that most people I've worked with report that once they decide then the positive results just begin to carry them further and further into more and more healing work. And it gets easier and it gets exciting. Yes. Yeah. It gets yeah. Exciting. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I'm glad you're spending it that way. Cause I probably at times do a disservice in telling people this is going to be tough, you know, like this is not always an easy process, but, mm-hmm. but worth it. But I do think there is an excitingness to it and the hope perspective, right? Cause it does build, hope. And like you mentioned earlier about your other client, like it's transformative. Yeah. Right. And I'm sure that client, if you'd asked them before they came to see you, if they thought they would be in that transformed place, or if they, they could see that, you know, they probably wouldn't have said, okay, yeah, I'm going to totally be there. Right. Like it's like a hard thing for people to see until they're there and they're like, holy cow. Like I didn't realize there was a different way of being. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I know, I mean, from my own personal experience too, that's been my, my truth as well, that through the things I've healed through before I went through them, I, I didn't know that there could be a better way of being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's challenging to communicate that and the timing on when to communicate that is also a challenge Yeah, because it, it can be almost sickening to someone who can't see that yet. That's true, right? That's like uh, I I tell people um, at times, like you know, I'm not going to tell you to see the silver lining while you're in the midst of the pain of it, because you're going to want to punch me in the face. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yes. the moment to be like, well, what do you think you're learning from this? You know, what I mean? <laughs> like, are you kidding? Me? Uh-uh. I'm like, I'm bleeding right now. Like, we're not going to talk about how what I'm learning from this, um, you know, or the silver lining of it. So. Yeah, we take it a little piece at a time, just yeah. a little bit, and so that, you know, small doses of the anguish are experienced, and then small doses of the relief are experienced. And it's not until the body fully experiences the relief that we move into the next piece that's challenging. 
know, we, we wait for that. We wait for the nervous system to settle back down again and feel safe. And then we head back in again and, and only with permission too, right? Mm-hmm. So somebody may do one tiny piece of work and I say, would it be okay to do a little bit more today? And they may say, oh, I don't know. I have a meeting after this or I'm hungry. Ooh, no way. I'm out. <laughs> that's enough, right? If, if, even if someone's hungry, that's enough. We don't need to do any more today. Yep. Yeah. No, that's, that's great. I don't think people realize that, you know, some people come in kind of like in our culture, I think this is an issue, but it's, they want to make all that progress so soon and so quick that they're like, all right, let's go, let's go, let's go. I'm like, you gotta, gotta, yeah, it's gonna, it's a process and you have to recover and then come back to it and recover and then come back to it. Um, we, I actually, one of my supervisors and I were talking about how robots can't do therapy. We were having that conversation <laughs> and, um, that was really, and that was part of our point was, you know, I think a robot would just be a little too blunt. And even though they might be accurate, they wouldn't know how to do that. That whole wavering of going in and out of, of working on totally stuff. Totally unattuned. The, the totally <laughs> <Yeah>. robot. <laughs> they would go too direct, too soon, yeah. too quick. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so we, we have some good, good job security in the age of robots. So yeah. that's, that's a thing. That's a thing. <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for yeah. letting us, you know, or letting me kind of pick your brain and learn from you today. I really appreciate that. And I'm excited to continue to learn from you in the future as well. So. <laughs> Oh, it's a mutual journey. I look forward to that. Yeah. And thank you so much for your thoughtful questions and making it fun. It was, it was really good today. Awesome. And maybe I'll pick your brain again in the future via podcast down the line and I have some other questions that arise. So yeah, sounds right. good. Awesome. Sounds good. Until next time. Okay, Jenny. All right. Talk to you later. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I really enjoyed talking with Shelly Huffman. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to our conversation. And I just wanted to let you guys know that if you wanted to connect with Soma Recovery or find any resources for therapy, or if you wanted to connect with us so we could get to know you better, you can find us online on Facebook at facebook.com slash Soma Recovery or at somawichita.com. And we'd love to connect with you. I hope you guys have an awesome rest of your day and I look forward to sharing with you next time. Take care.